0: Hello? What Hello? We Hello? 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 Hello?
1: Hello? Hello? Rethink. Rethink. Reimagine. Reimagine.
2: Okay. 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 Okay, America. Welcome back, America. Today is a very, very special show. And I feel like I say that with every show that we have because we get to share and explore varied viewpoints. And this is not something that we see happening in America. In a sane way, you know, we tend to discredit others and we don't give people the opportunity to really express themselves. So that's one thing that I really like about this show is that we have the opportunity to express ourselves and to listen to varied viewpoints. So we're very honored to have on our show a member of the We Rising Project, a representative of the We Rising Project, which we will get into what that means in a moment. But before I do, I want to make sure that I introduce my lovely Host who are acting as my co-host today. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have Dr. Phil, who is the founder of Life Strategies, a coaching firm for highly motivated performers. And we have the Juliette Lamar TV personality, producer, and journalist who's always striving to make the world a better place. And of course, we have Sam in the background who definitely keeps us all sane with his balanced perspective. Now, today's guest is Rocky Tyreed. Rocky Tyreed is a hip-hop musician from Phoenix, Arizona. Though normally traveling abroad or knee-deep in lengthy record sessions, he has recently found himself in the middle of a historic grassroots movement based in his own backyard. Tyreed is the founding member of the breakout organization, the We Rising Project. Whose goals are to utilize community action in a push towards legislative change and the unseating of systematic or systemic racism in the state of Arizona? Welcome, 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 Rocky Tyreed. Welcome to the show. Welcome to OK Thank America.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: So how do you pronounce is it Ty how do you pronounce your last
0: name? Tyreed.
2: I read.
0: I was right. Juliet was right for once in a way of pronunciation of last names. I just want to, <laughs> yeah, for the record, all
3: right. it's all right. All I right. got
2: something right. <laughs> for the record, Juliet was right. Okay, Rocky. So, what is it? Can you tell us a little bit about the We Rising project? Let's talk about that.
3: Um, it's chance how everything came came together. You know, we were all like minded individuals who were a part of community action. Um, you know, especially being out um, in you know, nonviolent protests, uh, and we just linked together on, under a common cause, and uh, we found everything was organic in terms of mobilizing and strategizing and executing our, our plans to help contribute to making Arizona a better place. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
2: and that was birth. How was that project birth? Where, where did it come from? What was the what was the moment? Who actually was the person to actually create that project? Where was it birthed from?
3: Um, it was birthed from. And I well the need to help represent the um, the accurate narrative that you know in terms of the the reason behind the demonstrations and uh, of course the the issues of systemic prejudice and um, you know violent encounters with the police department and you know the unjust treatment against Black Americans. So we unified under that common cause, and um, you know there's, there's a good deal of us. There's no specific Uh, lead individual. Uh, We are all like-minded and on an equal playing field. So it helps um, get our agenda across because we have different strengths that we utilize in order to push towards that goal. That's
2: really cool. Now, how many people would you say are within this organization now?
3: Uh, I'd say maybe about uh, under 20, under 20.
2: Okay. Cool. And when did you guys start
3: the organization? When did you? Been, we've been moving. Life has been moving pretty quickly, as you can see. Right. Um, we are about two and a half weeks, to three weeks old. But <laughs> wow, the, the fast everything has been um, taking place, and how quickly things have been mobilizing. You know, those two or three weeks can feel, you know, like a year. It really has been. Um, there's been a lot of uh, adventurous experiences and things of that nature, but. Um, you know revolutions and things they're all overnight processes, so it's not really a big surprise to find out this mm-hmm. organization is so young
2: Mhm- mm-hmm. so this came from a this seems like it just came from a place of passion just in the last absolutely. couple of weeks
3: absolutely it yeah. came
2: from a it came from a need. I'm gonna go ahead and bring in my other guests too, of course, if you guys want to
1: shoot. Hi, this is Dr. Phil uh, Dembo. You know, I've I've followed you prior to this, um, and the music you're doing, and I I wondered whether or not the platform created the leadership, or the leadership creates the platform, mm. because you are really um, a voice out there right now, and you know everything that's written about that is is that uh, Rocky is that you're. You you didn't expect to be this voice, but somehow I don't I don't think that's possible because you used your rapping as as that same kind of platform. Um, tell me about that.
3: Um, you know, I guess in the past few weeks, a lot of people who are you know familiar with my music or knew me personally, it's like, oh, this is your passion, this is your calling, and I didn't really think of it like that. I was asked in a previous interview yesterday, um, you know, just simply about how I take to things um, artistically and if I'm inspired to write. I haven't even thought of that. I didn't even take music and my career prior to this into consideration. So until you brought it up and it was kind of brought up to me yesterday, I didn't Mm -hmm. even equate the two to one another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I guess it it does feed into one another. You know, it does. So um, I I, I can definitely say after looking into my own music, it would seem like an obvious step.
1: Right, right. Can we get into it a little bit, you and I? Sure. I, I, yeah. So one of the things that I want to know is a white man, sixty-three year old white man. Sure. Is is what am I not hearing? What am I not seeing? What do we need to make sure white people are seeing? And hearing about what's going on. I went to the protests, I knelt, I was with everybody. I was the oldest guy there, right? I I um I remember when Dr. King got killed, I remember how I felt about that. I, I I'm just I, I may not be your typical white guy, but but I've spent a lifetime trying to figure out what we can do to help. Get that message across. So, so as you're taking leadership, teach me what I need to know.
3: Just it, it just takes um, empathy and being proactive. Uh, our my dear friend, um, his name is Jonah. He's another organizer in our um, in We Rising. He's he's a white guy, and um, you know he was explaining yesterday when we were uh, breaking off from our demonstration, um, just what he was learning himself about Juneteenth. And then he stressed that he didn't learn it from researching it online. He learned this information about Black culture by immersing himself in the culture and surrounding himself with that element and educating himself through using empathy and understanding and listening. So um, it's the same thing. Just as males is, you know, when when it comes to uh, the mistreatment and malignment uh, uh, of uh, women in America, we just have to listen. We just have to listen. We can't lead with our own personal experiences because they're invalid. So yeah. um, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, hopefully it helps um, create a clear picture,
1: yeah, I think it does. I mean, I, I i so you know, I spent a career trying to teach people how to understand how to do empathy, right? And so. Um, I my passion right now, and I, I, I won't steal the, the microphone as I, I tend to do, but my passion is same, not, not white guys your age. He does it all the time.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll shut up. But but if we don't get to the people my age, right, although we're going to die off in about 25 years, but but really and truly, right, the young people are out there, but we got to get the old people out there.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the beautiful things about our demonstrations is not only is it uh, multiracial, but there's different uh, demographics in terms of age brackets out there. Um, You know, there—I really really wish I can remember his name—but there's a gentleman who I think he's in his late fifties or early sixties, but he's been out there at least for the past four days by himself, um, an an older white man, and um, there are individuals like that, but. Even still, if you find that your associates aren't necessarily seeing things from the perspective that they need to, having those awkward conversations, um, you know, educating them, uh, employing them to use that same level of empathy that you use, and not ultimately not being afraid to excommunicate people from your circle. Um, it's, it's right. you know, having those daily Thanksgiving awkward conversations, <laughs> you know. It's it's the only it's really one of the only ways that we can uh, bring a level of understanding to that age age group because media right. is we are trained to follow what the news tells us to. Right, I feel right. like no, diversity absolutely. is
2: the key. You you said the key word there, diversity, and your organization organizational is actually you know, um, diverse. And I think it's important that people see that, that we can work together for a common cause. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I just really think it's so important because united, we're stronger than we are divided. And if we can come together, united for a cause, then, then the world will listen. Then the world will listen. I think that
0: you touch on a really important point is that you have to educate yourself this you can you can scream and scream but if people are not hearing you for hundreds of years you can keep screaming and we'll jump on the bandwagon for this time but what's different this time you know this is not the first time that we've had black lives matter protests it's not the first time we've risen together and people have shown support and together we can do it it's not the first time this has happened so i think it's really important what you said educate yourself like just because you go you post a little black square on your Instagram or you're going to post something about Juneteenth coming up doesn't just because you're supportive doesn't mean you're actually initiating change and igniting any any actual change. So, you know, excommunicating those friends who who are unwilling to listen, not because you you know I think you should exercise talking to them, having those conversations, getting their point of view, and then maybe helping them see the flaws in their argument. You know things like that. It's not it's not about bringing hate towards the hate it's about education and realizing that ignorance has brought us this far and it's it needs to stop and then not standing up for race racist behavior in your daily life like be be the change you wish to see right so Absolutely. Uh, i don't know i've been encouraging people to and i tell me if this is the right way in your in your mind but um say like you have you went to college right you're all you're alma mater Go there and be like, do you have specific programs for 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 Black students? Do you have specific programs for for women? You know, do you have these specific? And if they don't, try and start something in your, in your college or in your high school or something that is near and dear to you. Check in on your police department. You know, what are they doing? How can you help there? And really taking that initiative, not just going to the marches and standing there and being like, Black Lives Matter, because we know they do and we're there for you. You have to implement
2: the change in your daily life. Yes, you. I agree, and to yeah. piggyback on that, you know, when we talk about education, it's uh, black folks also need to be educated. All people need to be educated. It's it's assumed that black people know about June 19th. Not all black people know mm. about Juneteenth. It's not automatic, you know. Um, also, it's more than just um, like you're saying. Of course, <laughs> what you post online, it's about what you do. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the obligation that's not just for white people. Again, this is a situation where everybody can be involved and everyone could do something. And if you're not a part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. One of the things that I want to address is, you know, this thing about multiracial. I think it's very important that people know that there is one race and it's the human race. And, you know, it's important that we know that because I think that brings a sense of connection. We talked about this on one of our shows, and I like to say that we're a box of crayons. You know, we're diverse. <laughs> we're diverse. We each have our uniqueness. But at the same time, we're can. We're we still crayons. We're still homo sapiens. So I think that's another thing that we need to educate ourselves about, being honest with this human trait that we have to prejudge. And this human trait that we have extends beyond ethnicity, because when the police department recruits, they're recruiting from the same pool that um, Dairy Queen recruits from or uh, the post office recruits from. These people are not coming from Mars. They're coming from the population. So. So. okay, so. So, Rocky. How has your life, with all these things going on right now and this organization that you have that's coming from a place of passion and coming from a need, you see a need in your community, how has your life been personally impacted by the state of the world now?
3: By the state of the world now? I mean, it's not much different than what it was a few months ago. I'm still a Black man in America. There's still inherent dangers existential danger of just being black in America so um, and that's why that's one of the reasons why we continue to push because there there has not been any real change enacted and change is legislative change. It's not going out and protesting. protesting is merely an entry point. So my my personal life hasn't changed outside of maybe upsetting a few entities. <laughs> um, it has not changed that much at all. Black, oh, we you were a black said, man in America
1: athlete. last year are you gonna run for office what are the legislative changes you're trying to make <laughs>
3: um you know yeah. just put putting these putting these actions into law in terms of even for the police department um, the types of crimes that they commit should be considered hate crimes um, assaulting uh, a black American office uh, a black American citizen Um if they are killed and it's ruled to be unjust, that should be considered a hate crime process and um, processed to its fullest extent. Uh, things of that nature, since we're currently on um, the relationship between the police department and Black America, that's what I'll keep it on right, right now. Right, right. Let
2: me ask you this. So this, this organization came up because of this current need and the climate in America right now, but... What, what do you say about people who say that Black-on-Black crime has been going on for a very long time now? And, you know, what are we doing about that particular issue? Are we, are we, are, do you, what do you say when people say we're, we're focused on areas, on things that we, but we need to focus on other things as well, like focus on the crime that's going on? The Black-on-Black crime, which is actually, account, account, accounts for most of the homicides taking place amongst Black men specifically. What do you have to say to those people?
3: I'd say that that's used uh, to um, circumvent the subject that we're speaking about, because we're currently talking about um, the relationship between um, the police departments across America and Black America. If they want to talk mm-hmm. about um, unrelated subjects such as Black-on-Black crime, I'd say there's crime in America regardless. Um you know, so, and if they want to focus in on a specific uh, culture or a racial group, then we can start talking about economic undermining of uh, communities and mm-hmm. how, that it, how that contributes to um, myriad issues, uh, disproportionate education standards. Um, we can talk about other things that points this the issue right back to systemic racism. So when I right. hear people use that, I automatically think that they are um, veiling the issue with ignorance and are probably prejudiced themselves. So,
2: and I also think I, I would I would say that it's important to get to the issues at hand. You know to. First of all, when you talk about systemic racism, you're talking about the system. And when you start talking about the system, people need to know that the system has issues automatically because it's a system. It's a mechanical system, just like a bureaucracy has its issues. So I feel like it's very important that you touch on that, because unless we get to the, the, the root cause of these things, then we can't really really affect change and i think that's very important.
1: Right. So well yeah but the you know when when we say that we're missing the piece that i think is critical who decides mm-hmm. how we militarized the police department over the last 50 years right why did that happen that didn't happen right we didn't hire more social workers to go out and do um, family interventions in poor communities or in communities in general. We gave people stronger guns to use. We gave them shields. We gave them military outfits. What was the first thing our president did when all these protests started happening? He turned our police into military zones. Now, I don't think it's a police issue. I think it's a leadership issue, which is why I asked Rocky whether or not he's going to run for go- uh, for a, a position in the government, because we need young, new leadership, regardless of color, to go out there and speak and articulate to the issue, because the issue is who the hell is making the decisions to do these things.
2: In the first place. In the
1: first, in the first yeah. F in place. Yeah, I yes, mean, ma'am.
3: I'm 34 and I remember being a child. And, you know, the officers, it just basically wore t shirts, <laughs> buttoned up t shirts. And, and now they look like they're, say, out of a game like Call of Duty or something like that. They literally are military. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just being out um, downtown and during the first nights of the, uh, the, Demonstrations when the police officers were using tear gas and we're using rubber bullets. Right, you know they conduct their operations like a military would, even down to you know specific tactics. I'm not even going to go into detail. Right, um, it's just a Google or a YouTube away Uh, how they conduct themselves is definitely that of a paramilitary force, and we need to completely demilitarize the police departments across the United States of America, uh, just suspending or removing things like a carotid chokehold is not enough. Uh, we use weapons that are banned by the Geneva Convention. There's, I've seen um, children under the age of 18 um, demonstrating because they just want to utilize their voice. Um, so we need to keep these street, streets safe. And um, almost ironically enough, it starts with um, holding the police departments accountable and the um, municipalities that oversee them.
0: And police unions. I, I've heard some oh, really wonderful podcasting about police unions, and really, even if a police chief wants to change something within his own office, the unions are so difficult to get through.
3: Yeah, specifically the uh, um, Phoenix uh, the uh, Phoenix law enforcement agency, for instance, they um, they decided to uh, verbally target our demonstrations, despite them being one hundred percent nonviolent. Uh, The rhetoric that they use is dangerous. And um, like you had said, approaching these unions um, is something that we should take into consideration and add that to the top of our agendas nationwide.
2: I think it's interesting that, you know, we talk about the militarization of the police department, but one thing we have to take into consideration as well is the state of the world that we live in and you think about how much of our dollars tax dollars actually go to building a larger military, you know, this is something again, that happens from the top down. So, you know, we look, sometimes we're looking at the lowest level to fix things, but again, getting to the root, getting to the root cause, getting to the person that's actually, or the people who are actually the puppet masters behind the puppets is very important. Um, to really get unlock the corruption you know and we're not saying that there is corruption but we are saying that we would be we would be remiss if we ignore ignore the fact that it's a possibility that there's corruption going on somewhere but i think it's important to to find out where
3: i would personally like to say there is corruption rampant corruption Um, you know the individual i was speaking on earlier um he himself was targeted um, by the police departments for speak, speaking about uh, education and things of that nature. And speaking of education, um, there is corruption because why do our tax dollars in Phoenix, Arizona, why is there more importance placed on the police departments in our education budget? Um, you know, the state right. as a whole is near the bottom in America. And uh, we are one of the most diverse states and one of the fastest growing cities. Phoenix, for example, the fifth largest city in America. There's no reason why um, education should be an issue. That our, our roads and in infrastructure, in terms of our roads and transportation, should um, be placed higher than education in itself. And then again, that loops back into the other conversations about uh, specific areas. So um, there is corruption and there's cognizant corruption.
2: Yeah, I think this happens on a global scale again, because, you know, we uh, just looking at America, like I said, we put more money. Our tax dollars go towards the military more so than they go towards education. Mm -hmm. And as a society, just looking at ourselves as a society, we value entertainment more than we value our educators, our teachers. That's why they don't get paid as much as entertainers do. And while news is also becoming entertainment
0: now, it's like in order to even be seen, you have to be entertaining. So then the news is trying to come up with... Someone who works in
1: news, like we come up with entertaining things. Go for it. Go. But 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 there's there's such a, there's there's a core fundamental th- sort of experience that just is very painful. Mm-hmm. Again, right? It, it's it, you know my kids grew up in a in an upperly mobile white affluent area, and the black kids from the inner city were bused into our schools as a way to give them better education. One, who decided that? Two, who what white family do I know would let their kids sit on a bus for four hours to get to school and four hours to get home at night, right? Why didn't we put that money into the neighborhoods and level the playing field? Mm-hmm. And so the racism and the prejudice that is inherent in this is camouflaged by even the legislature and, and these these programs we're doing. That's why I really like the initiative you guys are creating and what you're talking about. But we've got to go deeper, and that's why I said, what do what are we missing? Because I have to tell you that if I'm walking down the street and I stand on a corner, and a young uh, a young man, 34 years old, African American stands next to me, I am conscious of that. And why am I conscious of that? And I'm not conscious if he's, if he's white and what do I need to do, right? What really somebody help us understand, because what I do is I say, hello, but even that feels wrong, right? Not that I'm going to get hurt by this person, but that it's almost demeaning to him that I even have to say that as a way to level the playing field. And I, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I would, My activism comes out in these kind of conversations because I think there's a deeper level of distrust of our differences because we don't know about each other. We just don't, and we need to learn, right? And we have to find that dialogue. That's why we're passionate about our podcast. That's why we are grateful that, that people like you are making a difference in the world come because we have to... We have to give solutions to people. It's, it's we have of, to tell them something it,
3: before we get too far. It's just part of programming, and recognizing it is a first step. So I, I you know, I, I appreciate that. But um, understanding where we have been programmed and unseating that—that that even um, like benign prejudice—is that's that's the step towards fully um, recognizing an even playing field. Because we were taught to be demonized and vilified before we even stepped in a room to justify our deaths. That's why if I died, they'd probably pull up some tweet from 2009 or say he ran a red light or he, he makes music that could be considered militant in order mm-hmm. to justify my death. Because we're taught to be scared of the next person because of that um, inherent cultural um, misunderstanding. And that is that goes into the conversation about classism. Because uh, racism is really under the umbrella of classism. If we keep people fighting amongst each other and ignorant of each other's experiences, then the ball isn't the the attention is not on the issue at hand, which is the top percent. Yes, sir. And through classism, they keep us fighting through racism.
1: Well said. Love it.
2: How do you overcome your own prejudice? And do you feel that that's something that human beings deal with?
1: Yeah, you know, brain is—it brain is a
3: muscle at the end of the day. So it just takes concentrating on recognizing specific things and uh, working out those anomalies.
2: It's very important to identify your bias. That's the—that's the number one thing that human beings have to do. And I feel like, to be fair, you know, we all have a bias. A, an example would be: all police officers do this, and all uh, teachers do that. And all black people do this and all white people do that. And I think when we it's important that we identify what our bias is so that at least we know what our prejudice is Um, going into any conversation. I think that's something that helps to level the playing field. If we want to talk about leveling the playing field, then I think human beings have to get real about being human beings.
3: I agree with you. Uh, One one, one thing um, I just wanted to point out. I agree with everything, minus the police department. At this point, uh, silence is compliance. I have family members that uh, I have a chip in in my in my family, um, but at the end of the day, they adhere to the the rules of the fr- rules of their fraternity. So it's hard to say that there's only bad apples in that specific scenario. Um, you do have to throw a, a net over that because, you know, if you're you're complicit by not helping undermine this the um that system that the system of police corruption so I, I do agree with you know saying that not all of a specific culture or race or any demographic I do agree with that but with the police department that's that's a completely different subject in my personal opinion.
2: Right. So, and that's a, and a lot of people probably feel that way. And again, that's a prejudice because not everyone in the police department, or not all police departments. This is not, this is not something that affects each and every police officer and all police departments. And I think that in itself could, that's a bias that we also have to identify that we have. We can have that bias and also know that there's issues within the system that need to be fixed. We I mean, can do like both.
3: To, I would like to see these officers who consider themselves to be good officers to hold each other accountable. I mean, it's uh, it's just common, common knowledge that um, their IA departments aren't necessarily... Um, the most honest or transparent. That's why we have uh, citizen review boards in Phoenix, Arizona. And even still, those citizen review boards are um, not as funded as they should have been. Three out of, I think, 25 or 22 million. Don't quote me on that last part. Um, But they don't have the ability to indict or investigate or charge a subpoena. Um, So it it would be up to these officers to hold each other accountable. And there's plenty of cases, uh, I believe, I'm just kind of going off the cuff um, about that issue and 2016 with the um, that corruption in the Oakland Police Department and um, how basically turned inward on each other. Um, You have to put there either work overtly to undermine that system of corruption or put the badge down. And I mean, we can just say we can just abolish it. And start anew with a different program, especially given the etymology of police departments in the first place. Those were created to catch slaves, and now they're still being used to either uh, falsely imprison, imprison unjustly, um, or beyond the extent of what they should have been through ju- uh, corrupt judicial practices, or just outright killers. So it's really hard for me personally to say, you know, there's only a couple. There's a couple good cops, and you know, the rest are corrupt or whatever, like they're contributing to a system by not actively doing anything to it. So I would implore any, anybody who serves in uh, law enforcement, even enforcement sounds negative, um, to be more proactive in unseating their um, powers of corrupt, their corruption.
2: And that's very interesting. Everything, everything has a history. Very good point. Everything has a history, including the Democratic Party, which at one point actually supported slavery. Oh, absolutely. So, so when you talk about the history of things, you know, it's it's very important that we really look at the history of things.
3: Oh, absolutely. I, I don't believe in bipartisanship. Um, the Democratic Party is not necessarily an ally of the black community. Um, they use right. us more as an object. They throw um, politicians out there and or they may um, have Bill Clinton come out with a saxophone or Hillary Clinton um, come out with Jay-Z, Beyonce. You know, And that's supposed to <laughs> appeal to our demographic. It's insulting, to say the least. Um, and even still, we cite Abraham Lincoln. There's so many quotes where he actively said that he does not believe in equality between um, black and white Americans. And it was more of a political move. So, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not a fan of the Democratic Party, per se.
2: I think if we look at everybody's closet we're definitely going to find some skeletons. We're going to find skeletons probably in all of these systems that were created, like I absolutely said in the beginning, systems. because, again, there's systems, and systems are mechanical. They're not necessarily designed for people and because pe- people are not robots. Mm. Dr. Phil, what do you but, think?
1: Well, but silence is compliance. That's what I heard. Yes. Absolutely. Those are Rocky's words, right? And so it's silence about everything. It's us yeah, not going out there word. and and protesting it's it's everybody gets to have their opinion we don't have to agree but what we have to do is understand that a system to change mu- cannot be tweaked it has to be dismantled and i think that is the only way real change happens i'm not saying that we defund completely the police department but i think we rethink about how we treat people and we manage and keep them safe in their communities. And so that's a bigger conversation. What I'd love to do sometime in the future, if, if Rocky would uh, not think we're crazy enough and come back and visit us, <laughs> is that I'd, I'd love to have a conversation about benign prejudice. Yeah. Because I don't think you can, I think we only really speak to, right, the toxicity of prejudice, but it's the benign prejudice It is that every day that we don't even, we don't even notice it. And I think when you when you become mindful of yourself, you be, become mindful of others. I agree, Absolutely. totally.
3: Y'all the right cr- kind of crazy, just for the record. Like, <laughs> I relate. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I relate. I'm here.
1: I gotta tell you, I want to hear more music. I know you're a busy man, but I think you got to write more. I think there's a lot to be said, and you have an amazing, amazing talent, and that's coming from an old guy from the '60s. So I'm telling you. Keep doing what people, you're doing, my friend.
0: How can people find your music, by the way? Because they are, they have to listen to it. So pitch yourself a little bit.
1: Um.
3: So my name is Rocky Tyrade. It's R-O-Q-Y-T-Y-R-A-I-D. If um, you cannot rewind that, just go to theculturesback.com. Uh, my most recent project is with DJ Green Lantern, a certifiable legend. Um, and that was called Outbreak, which is weirdly timed um so <laughs> obviously was it was you all, it was but, you um, yeah um but you know like we we're saying in the beginning of this interview a lot of this subject matter um you can find it throughout my discography and uh so it's even even more of an honor can t- taken out into consideration to um put physical action behind the music
2: yeah.
1: i think you gotta yeah, run was, for governor yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I think you need to run for you, office.
2: I was going to ask you what made you choose art as your platform to spread your message. Like what what made you use art specifically? No,
3: I don't really believe in in some of the you know the whole universal side of things. But I'm born the same day as Malcolm X. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. Um, but I've always I've always questioned things, and I um, I have really great parents who. Uh, instilled a, a good sense of morality, and and also with that, maybe not an authority issue, but just co- making sure that things um, you know checks and balances, you know. So that coupled with my therapeutic connection to music, you know, it, it brings about what you have before you.
2: That's awesome. And when you talk about dismantling things, I think the first thing that we need to dismantle is our ideas and we need to unpack this thing this human being you know because otherwise we're just going to create the same bs again because it's the people creating it so if the Mm -hmm. people don't change then the the system is never going to change and what we create is going to be the same bs it'll just be in another in another shape you know so how can people make a positive difference right now
3: um, even if they don't find themselves uh, physically proactive, donating to whatever charitable cause they feel most emotionally connected to, um, you know, like we we're talking about earlier, just having those conversations and controlling the narrative. If there's one thing, like we're saying, the news is employed to do, it's to create things that generate views and negativity is really easy to work with. So um, changing that narrative, controlling that and, you um, Other things, uh, using your money, using your money and understanding your political influence. uh, Those are all powerful things um, that I can think of off the top. And, um, you know, just like my friend Jonas said, just taking the time to listen to other people's experiences from their shoes, completely disconnect your experience from what they are saying. And I think that's where true empathy comes from.
2: Well, well said. Well, you know what, you guys, we can find Rocky. Rocky, tell the people where they can see you and find you and stalk you.
3: <laughs> Please don't stalk. It's just, <laughs> actually pretty weird right now. Uh, but uh theculturesback.com is where you can find me. Important, um, uh, you know, of course. But importantly, um, if you're looking for anything related to um, the We Rising Project, just go ahead and find us on at the We Rising Project. Uh, on Instagram and at We Rising Project on Twitter, uh, we post all of our updates up on there um, and everything related to what's going on with the organization and our involvement in the community out here in Phoenix and beyond.
2: All right, and with that, we're going to go ahead into our commercial break. We want to thank our guest Rocky. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate you. Thank you for spreading your knowledge. And you guys, check them out um, again peace to you and we wish you success and we want you back on the show because you have been an amazing guest and we'd love to hear more about what you're doing for the community.
1: Thank
3: you so much. The honor is mine. Um, Anytime you guys need me, I'm right here.
1: Sounds great. All right. Good luck to you, my friend. Thank you.
3: See you out there.
2: Thanks, Rocky. Peace.
0: In a world that's ever-changing and a future ever-uncertain, more than ever, we're looking for ways to better our life, better our day, and redefine what it means to feel well. We at Kavana Health, an Oklahoma-based, GMP and Kosher-certified manufacturer of hemp-derived ingredients and finished products, have had a core mission. All of us and each of us must redefine what it means to live well. Whether it's our tinctures, topical, or pet products, Kavana Health remains committed to the highest standards of production and packaging with the highest quality industrial hemp and a state of the art extraction lab. Come shop with us at www.kavanahealth.com
2: or say hello on Facebook and Instagram at kavana.health. We are Kavana Health, redefining wellness. Okay, America, welcome back. Wow, you guys, what a show. I mean, what do you guys think about some of the things that Rocky shared with us today? What are your closing thoughts? Don't all I guess I'll go, because I know Dr. (laughs) Phil is gonna have the better thing to say. So before
0: he, you know drops knowledge on everybody. (laughs) Yeah, before no, before he drops all the knowledge, I'm gonna say some things that are kinda silly and then maybe you guys will think better after he talks. (laughs) Um, no, I mean, oh wow, are you guys not just blown away? inspire well just the passion and the knowledge yeah. and really you can hear in his voice he's tired you know he's tired of this mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter because he knows that this is something that has to happen and the time right now is perfect for it it needs to happen and he's just had enough you can hear the history in his voice and I just found that extremely moving and, mm-hmm. and beautiful uh you know really it's just you know, he just says, educate yourself. It's a huge thing. You know, if you can't protest that, uh, that doesn't mean that you are not, you know, an ally, you can be an ally in other ways. As long as you personally are trying to better yourself and those around you, your ripple is going to continue to flow. So do things to educate yourself to change your behavior because we all are a little bit racist, and I think that you have to accept that. And saying that really is hard, but you have to accept that everyone is racist. Well, I'm, I'm not racist, girl. Everybody is <laughs> a little bit <laughs> prejudiced and racist sometimes. I think everyone everyone is. You have to be aware of your own racial tendencies. Well, you can be prejudiced and, and not out.
2: racist.
1: Right, right, <laughs> but right, right. You're making those, absolutely you're
0: making those you're making those assumptions based on. Race, right? So no, you making that-
2: those assumption based on just you assuming something about someone based upon what they look like, what they sound like, what they talk like. That's what not they racist. Like. No, it's just prejudice. It's- Pre- racism is. Right, when the you need to accept yeah.
1: it. Yeah, she doesn't distinguish which race she's prejudiced against. She's prejudiced against anybody who is I'm actually racist. I'm, I'm
0: just humans. The human race be is I'm prejudiced against. Okay.
2: <laughs> I can but agree with you on that. that. You have to
0: accept that. <laughs> I just think that you need to accept, like, you can't sit here and be like, well, I'm not who they're talking about. You probably have something that you have done to someone else and you need to be open to learning. I guess that's my biggest thing. Hey, man. So... So, Sam, cut out all the stuff that makes me sound racist. It's
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny. But I, I agree with that, you know, in that we do all have to identify our bias. And I think that's the biggest thing that I harp right. on because we don't. And again, when you say all police officers this and again, I understand people's um, I understand the history of s- certain departments and systems and all of that. But again, we all have to identify our bias. I want to say that we understand why in 2020 people are using the phrase Black Lives Matter. We understand that this is a battle cry that's being used to bring attention to a group of people that feel marginalized by a system. And we agree that the system does have issues by its very nature of being a system. It has issues. I keep saying this like a bureaucracy has issues. Mechanicalized systems are not created to feel. So we need to know that. So my solution would be to. Similar to what Juliet said, just you have to identify your bias, first of all, because if you don't identify your bias, we're only going to create new systems that still have these prejudices built within them. And again, there's the saying that the victims become their oppressors. So we need to make sure that this is not what's happening here. And that's very important. I think we need to realize that we all do have this this ability to prejudge and it may necessarily not necessarily be racial, but this human ability to prejudge people. We need to understand that and go beyond it.
1: The, the only way to make change systemically though is to look at it completely. So yes, on, on an individual level, I agree with that, but on a legislative level, just like the Supreme Court passing something for all LGBTQ community doesn't mean that a, a, a lesbian or, or a gay man won't get fired by his boss for poor performance. What we're saying, though, is legislation has to change that changes the way we approach this. What I love about what we heard today is that our guests talked about silence as compliance, Mm -hmm. right? And I do believe that. And I believe that on both sides. That's a real struggle for me because we often only want to hear the people that we agree with. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to hear everybody and find a way to do that. And the last thing I'll say is I saw a sign the other day that made a lot of sense to me. All life matters when Black lives matter. And I think there is a real truth to that that we, we can't keep sh- shifting away from the narrative because a group of people need to be heard. And that doesn't mean all black people want to be heard, but the all lives, all black lives matter group, the we rising project, these people are out in the streets and these people are all colors and all ages and all races. For me, it's about empathy, not apathy.
2: I agree. Black Lives Matter is a ba- a battle cry. When a person says that Black Lives Matter, they're not saying that other lives don't matter. When a person say that all lives matter, they're not saying that Black Lives don't matter. This phrase, Lives Matter, or the phrase Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter, is not for people that don't know that Black Lives Matter. This phrase is for people who don't know that Black Lives Matter. So... Let's right. keep that in mind. OK, America. And with that, that does it for okay. this episode of OK, America, where we rethink and reimagine. And you can find us on Instagram at OK, America, or excuse me, OK, dot America. You can locate Juliet at Juliet dot com. Dr. Phil, where can people find you?
1: Just on OK, dot America. I'm just kind of old school. So look for me there.
2: And you can find me at Dr B speaks on Instagram and also YouTube. Woohoo! Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>